0: superstitious but i am a little stitious
1: parents win parents win cody jansen stopped
0: 92 out of 95 shots including a penalty shot in overtime somehow he still only
1: wound up the third star of the game you like that jansen has a heart you're smoking crack
0: let's get it going Nothing short of stuff to talk about today. Oh my, changes in the media world. A pathetic display of, you know, cracking down on one of the worst gestures I've ever seen on a hockey rink, and we are going to break it all down. It's Cody Jansen with you, World Hockey Report, presented by Lord Co. Auto Parts, the official auto parts retailer of Hockey Canada and Team Canada. Joined with you on a Wednesday, September 29th, they're coming to you live from beautiful Alberta, in the Pro rock Broadcast Studios. Follow me on Twitter at January 31 underscore in the show at world honky RPT. Connect anytime. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, wherever you're watching from on 12-ounce sportsingo TV channel 761, or if you're listening after on the Hockey Podcast Network. Tons to get to, but first, if you're going to be going to the rink here anytime soon, Lord Co Auto Parts, they can ensure you've got everything you need for a smooth ride, from bright white headlight replacement bulbs for increased visibility during early morning or late night commutes to battery maintainers that are going to ensure your vehicle starts when the temperature drops. Visit a Lord Co Auto Parts location to date for knowledgeable service quality parts and accessories. Visit lordco.com to find a store near you. Now we're going to bring on Adam Ermentrout here. And obviously the, the big story that broke this morning and when I saw it, I, I immediately couldn't fall back asleep. So I was like, well, there we go. That's a, a nice way to piss off someone. But it, it was, it, it, we talked about it yesterday. It's a disgusting gesture by Andre Deskin. Out of the ukrainian hockey league and what he gets for it is a three-game suspension plus either an extra 10 games or he can pay off an 1800 hundred dollar fine and this was handed out by the ukrainian hockey league the double ihf obviously governs them the double ihf has yet to step in other than saying they stand by the ukrainian hockey league's decision so i got to bring on adam urman to give his thoughts what did you think when you saw that this morning
2: yeah, I mean, obviously a joke. Like, it's it's really hard to even say. Like, I don't know what the whole three games and like, what the hell does the league need eighteen hundred dollars for if they're they're governed by the IHF? I mean, that's that's so ridiculous. Like, you, I was thinking, okay, like a year, like kick him out of the league. Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, a year would seem like okay. Like, that's fair. Like, go go do whatever. But like three games with the potential for, I don't know, was it 13 or something like that's guys get suspended worse for headshots. And like, it's obviously comparing kind of apples to oranges, but at the same time, like a racial gesture is far worse than hitting a guy from behind. Like it's not even, not even the same stratosphere
0: to be blunt. And put on your earmuffs. It's fucking embarrassing. And I tweeted out that picture that IIHF put out. And they just elected a new council. You got Luke Tardiff, who's now the president. He's taken over for Rene Fussell. That's what gets me. Is they have the right. They have the ability to step in. They govern the league. They're the ones that approved this league to play under IIHF regulations. And they are essentially saying we're fine with a three-game suspension. For the most racist, raci- oh my, Like I can't even talk right now. I'm so fired up. It, it's so bad of a racist gesture that, you know, I know, it's disgusting. People aren't even retweeting it. They don't want the video out there because it's that bad. And they're going to hand out a three-game suspension for it. I don't know. How do you increase diversity in, you know, not, not the Ukrainian hockey Like they seem like they're a hopeless cause, but double IHF who doesn't have the guts to stand up for this, Adam. Do you do you get a Kevin Weeks on board? Do you get a George Larocque on board? Because clearly something needs to change. And until you have that representation in the hockey world, I don't see anything going differently.
2: Yeah, I, I honestly don't really know, like, what like what the deal is like why can't you suspend him for a year like i kind of was talking about the how guys get suspended worse for hitting from behind or something and that's a half second decision this guy the place completely dead he stops he thinks about it he does the gesture and it's kind of skates off and then his half-ass apology where he's like it may have been determined to be racist like it was it was insane um you know i i really don't know like how they can just be like like that's that's terrible it's yeah, it's just terrible. Like, And I don't know how they can't do something. But, yeah, I, I really don't know.
0: Here's Anthony Duclair, and he just tweeted this out. He said, if you don't see a problem here, you're part of it. This is embarrassing. Basically, we're telling kids if you make a racist gesture, you'll be back playing in a couple of weeks. And he quote tweeted the double IHF on that. I fully agree. That's That's as simple as you can put it. It's bad for the game. And... You know, it's kind of, it's like that meme where it's like, we expected better for you, but like, better from you? I don't know. It's a hopeless cause. It's embarrassing. Again, we at World Hockey, probably think I speak for Adam and everyone else, Bryce, Eric, on this. This is, you know, we stand with Jalen here. This is unacceptable. Uh, you know, he deserves better. Everyone, you know, when you, when you talk about people of color in a hockey dressing room, they deserve better. This is not this has not been addressed right. To another story now, and, and and we will get to the media changes as well because that is shaking as by the minute here. But the Josh Archibald situation in Edmonton, Adam, uh, you saw there was a, there, there's a medical condition going on right now. Can you give me the latest on that from what you know?
2: Yeah, just... Just kind of, you know, Tippett said that there's some concern. Um, you know, obviously, he's the the one guy in the Oilers who can't play right now because he's not vaccinated from Ryan or Uh Doctors are doing tests on Archibald to determine the issue. Doesn't have COVID. Also said that at this point, while he's dealing with these health issues, he isn't able to get vaccinated, but did specify if he planned on doing so. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just kind of like, okay, like he's feeling – ill or sick or whatever and he doesn't have COVID so we're not gonna make him get the vaccine but at the same time um he also tweeted out that it was a pandemic so I can't imagine that he's the most for COVID but yeah um I'm not really sure uh where this kind of goes and obviously you know you, you want the guy to be healthy regardless of his his stance on vaccines or something like that but I don't know. It's it's hard to believe really what's going on right now, given what he's tweeted and stuff. But yeah, all, all the best him. And I mean, if you're him watching on the sideline, obviously your health is the most important. But then you watch Brendan Perlini score three goals in two games. You watch Colton Sevier kind of do your job and the penalty kill. And things are starting to kind of get a little uneasy right now.
0: And we will break into the Oilers preseason performance. Obviously, you said it best. First and foremost, you hope he can get healthy. You know, you never want to see that no matter what someone's stance is on the vaccine. Now, it'll be interesting to kind of find out what this is if we do get information on, you know, what this ends up being, if it is something related to a vaccine. And if it was, I'm not gonna make an assumption well i am going to make an assumption if something health related was stopping him from getting the vaccine in the first place i believe we would have heard about it by now but it is a little fishy that i believe and correct me if i'm wrong adam him Mackenzie blackwood and tyler bertuzzi are all represented by the same agent who has been in hot water plenty of times before is that correct
2: I did not see that, but I'll I'll tell you in a second here.
0: Okay, well, you, you do that research, and I'll, I'll keep rambling on, because for Josh Archibald, number one, you want to get healthy. From the Oilers' perspective, this is something that they didn't want to be a storyline coming into the season. And now they're having to deal with it. I don't know the whole ins and outs of the IR. Obviously, Alex Stalock is one that's likely going to be on there. Is Archibald, is his salary going to count against? Is you know this going to be enough to put him on the IR? Is this a guy who would have even been considered for a spot based on his vaccination status at the start of the year? Now that you have others coming in and really competing, like an Alberta boy, Colton Sevier, like a Brendan Perlini, Who's got a great relationship with Dave Tippett? I actually, I, I, I want to get to this quote quick, so I'm gonna play it for you.
3: Um, yeah,
2: I mean, to be honest, I was just looking to come in and play my style of game, and um, you know, I've, I said it a little bit already. I've, you know, had a had a relationship with Tip before in Arizona, so it's nice kind of coming in and knowing him and Jimmy, you know, how they coach, and um, so yeah it definitely makes it a little bit easier, and yeah,' been uh last couple games you know a good start, but uh yeah, just focusing on uh each shift as it comes. I know it sounds a little bit cliche, but that's really uh all I do.
0: That's Brennan Perlini right there. He talks about how he's got that relationship with Tippett, and he feels comfortable coming into the situation, just to the point where he he wants to earn another spot in the NHL. He wants another chance. He wants to, to prove he can stick in the league again. And if that's the if that's the case, if that's his mentality, I hope he does find himself on the third or fourth line with the Oilers. I really do. Also, Eric corrected, and, and Adam did as well during that, that clip. So it's Ronaldo, Bertuzzi, and Blackwood. They're all represented by the the same agent. Adam, Adam, who is that again? Sorry.
2: Uh, Todd Reynolds, who also represents Zach Hyman.
0: Okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And Ronaldo there, Bertuzzi Blackwood, same agent. Maybe it's a coincidence. Maybe we're looking into it too much, but moving along here to Sportsnet. Now they had a major shakeup. I'm not going to break down all of the shows, but sticking with the honky ones, uh, Real Kipper and Bourne. that's Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne. The Jeff Merrick show is going to be going and the fan drive with Ben Ennis and Steven Brunt. I'm sorry. I don't know that one. Then there's a Leafs nation post game. Here's the thing that pisses me off. and, And I tweeted this out is that these companies, these corporations, this is so pathetic that they got $240 million to split between three companies. That's Rogers, Bell and Telus. So quick math i am not quick math at all but that seems like it's 75 plus maybe 80 million dollars 80, 80, 80 million good math good math adam you're on the ball so they got 80 million dollars from the wage subsidy program this year basically to help keep people employed and they pull this shit That's incredibly frustrating, that's pathetic, that's embarrassing, that is so bad. That's such a bad look on the media. There's so many good people out of a job because these corporations took this money and they stuffed it elsewhere, not in their employees, not to keep people employed during a pandemic that we're all battling to get through. Nope, they decided to take the easy route. They flipped the switch. They got rid of them on a whim. And, you know, it's embarrassing because you got Sportsnet people who are chirping TSN for how they handled things in Vancouver and elsewhere, and now Sportsnet does the exact same? Give your head a shake. It's just madness at this point.
2: Yeah, I don't don't really know what to say. Like, it seems like Sportsnet's kind of all in on, I don't know, five or six guys. And I mean, to me on the outside, it kind of looks like they weren't really happy with Nick Caprio's taking some of their market share, So they kind of brought him back. And I mean, we had him on our show. Um, what
0: market share?
2: We yeah, got better I,
0: numbers than him. He comes on our show as a guest. He's got terrible audio. He's moping around. I, I You can't tell me, and I get it. He's a name. He's a personality. They think that they're going to shake it up. But that's no excuse.
2: No, it's it's not. A yeah, I mean, he came on our show, and he has this professionally done show, and he's walking around on FaceTime with no Wi-Fi, apparently. But, yeah, um, I don't really know. Like, it seems Sportsnet's kind of in on their whole national thing. But outside of Ontario, people just despise Sportsnet. Like, Vancouver people despise Sportsnet. Like, you kind of go um, – it's funny every Saturday night the Leafs play in Vancouver every single year they play the early game so it's like four o'clock in Vancouver people are going crazy and they kind of have this like I don't want to say like New York Boston rivalry but it's kind of like we're the two biggest cities here we're the two furthest away that type of thing so yeah I mean you replace an all Canucks show and I by all accounts Canucks radio does really well um, with a national show that you could get pretty much anywhere and I mean what's your market share in Vancouver going to be? Probably not what it would be if they're talking about the Leafs and if Michael Bunting's going to get a spot or if David Comps is going to win the fourth-line center job.
0: It's so absurd. And I really hope, obviously, that, you know, People do. I I believe they are going to keep localized morning shows on board. I really hope that many people aren't out of jobs. It's frustrating, and I hope they're able to keep local hockey broadcasts. But all this syndicated shit is getting so old. It is. It is. It's literally the same stuff over and over, and it's such an easy route to take. Like I I would be shocked, I would be very shocked if you're going to tell me that Jay's talk is getting better numbers in Vancouver than one of their actual Canuck-centric shows. I would be so shocked if that's the case, And, and I'll leave it on this, but support your independent media members, please. Do it. I don't care. I mean, Canucks Convo is the absolute best when it comes to Vancouver Canucks content in my mind, but there's also a lot of great shows. There's a lot of great people doing things on their own because of situations in the media world. Please just support them.
2: Yeah, I, I really don't get get this. And what's the fan drive time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt? Stephen Brun's like an essay writer for Sportsnet, so... I don't know, um, crazy stuff. But let's let's get to some hockey stuff before. Yeah, yeah, we got a few you.
0: minutes for hockey stuff. We got a few minutes, and and honestly, screw the Leafs. Today is not the day to talk about the Leafs, Adam. Let's talk Oilers. Let's talk Kraken. Give me two takeaways from the game last night that stood out most to you.
2: Um, yeah, just that. I mean, Oilers puck line was free money. I I think I'll I'll kind of start with that. Where you look at the lineups in Seattle dressed what, four or five guys who have played more than 10 games of of NHL hockey. And I mean, Edmonton dresses their top two lines, maybe top, top three, if you want to count the the Perlini shore duo, and then they kind of dress three defensemen who are going to be in on on their team and both goalies. So yeah, um, obviously a mismatch, um, McDavid Hyman employee, kind of showed you everything that you want to see from them. Um, they look great. McDavid was kind of dancing around, obviously the game meant meant a lot to Edmonton given the, the Joey Moss tribute kind of kind of the start of the game there and stuff. Um, Both goalies look good. It's it's I guess, you know, they weren't exactly playing the, the lightning out there, but at the same time, both goalies look good and Edmonton's got back to back shutouts in both preseason games. So um, a lot to like from the Oilers perspective, obviously you talked about Perlini who, I mean, he shoots the puck a lot and that's what Dave Tippett kind of alluded to. So yeah, I mean, to have a guy who's in your bottom six who can put in 10, 12 goals, I mean, that's, that's free money for you. And for him, he had 14 his first year and over a point per game when he started out in the AHL, then it just kind of, I guess, went sideways for him and went overseas and kind of, he said yesterday he was talking to his dad about the type of player he wanted to be and, and all that. So, I mean, for him to come here and, and play how he has, it's, it's really cool. And from Seattle's standpoint, I mean, Obviously, didn't dress a ton. Um, you know, Chris Rieder and Net didn't really have a chance on a couple. The first goal wasn't very good on his part, but you know they they had a second round pick, Riker Evans, who's a D man from who plays with Regina, who was over a point per game last year. He looked really good. Um, I I'm not gonna be biased, but I am Cole Lind. Obviously, his first first action with Seattle, he looked pretty good too. Stud. And I mean, Morgan Geeky as well, kind of coming over from Carolina. So. Seattle's got some pieces. I mean, they dressed kind of Brandon Tanev and Riley Shan against McDavid line, which which didn't go too good for them. But, um, you know, it's kind of hard to say when you're playing a team of of basically the Oilers versus uh, not really Seattle. So.
0: Yeah, it's an American League team and bubble players. That's that. That's kind of what it is, right? You know, you've got your depth players. That's not the same Seattle team they're going to see in the regular season, so you can't put that much weight on it. Now, have you seen much of the Flames in the preseason? You got a thought or two on them?
2: I uh, was going to watch them tonight. Um, last note on the Oilers: if if yeah. you thought they're if you thought they're free puck line last night, they're probably Winnipeg's probably free puck line tonight, given that Edmonton's yes, top guys Warren Fogel and Winnipeg's got the Shifley Connor Hellebuck guys of the world all in so yeah um for Calgary though um you know Gaudreau and Monaghan they're gonna start the year with Mangia I know Monaghan's still kind of dealing with a hip issue so he won't play tonight but yeah um that's kind of their what 15th right winger in the last five years or so so kind of time for them to figure it out Blake Coleman's playing with Kachuk and Lindholm which is kind of a Daryl Sutter line, so to speak. And then, you know, they didn't really replace Giordano. I, I like Zadorov more than most people do just because he mean. makes it hard. Yeah. He's mean and it's kind of a unicorn. The good and signing didn't really make a a lot of sense to me. I think that Michael Stone's probably better than he is, but for Calgary, like it's, it's hard to know what to make of them. Um, I don't know. Like they are they going to win games two one? I don't know, but they're going to have to. And for Gaudreau, it's kind of his last year of his contract. So if things go sideways off the start, then he's going to be in a lot of trade rumors as per usual. But uh, there's rumors in Calgary saying that Gaudreau wants the bag. Treliving won't give it to him. Um, I'm sure they're kind of waiting to see how the first two months go to really make a decision.
0: Biggest X factor is still Markstrom. Still Markstrom in my mind. That's uh, I'll stick to that. If he has a good season, the Flames got a chance. If he doesn't, they better sell off at the deadline. And I'm not convinced Treliving's going to do that because his job is gonzo if that happens.
2: Yeah, I, I'm not sure what to make of Trilliving anymore. Like, he's he's been in on the last five names that have been available. Trilliving's been been in on them and then just never seems to happen. And what's this, three straight years now of the Flames core not getting it done, this, that, the other thing. So it's hard to see. But, I mean, you got, what, two years left to Daryl Sutter and then kind of see what happens. You might have to turn a new leaf in Calgary, so to speak.
0: That's Adam Urban Trout. We're going to head off to a commercial break. Mike Camito author is coming up next and we also got great cup champ zach Madero's coming on he's a he's a big hockey guy We'll, we'll talk some puck with him maybe get a couple of nfl thoughts but that's all coming up after the break it's world hockey report presented by lord co auto parts coming to you live on a wednesday
1: Sport Travel Tours is the official tour supplier for the Spangler Cup Ice Hockey Tournament in Switzerland. Nestled amongst the stunning Swiss Alps is the exclusive resort of Davos. This December, teams from all around the world will compete in the world's oldest invitational hockey tournament, the Spangler Cup. Sport Travel Tours packages include incredible hotels, amazing tickets, and a New Year's Eve party in the mountains to remember. Check out sporttraveltours.com today
0: week three of football is in the books and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week four with DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game Listen up because you don't want to miss this Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now place a bet of $1 on any game this week to receive $150 in free bets instantly DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at a million dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code THPN. This week at the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT. If you've been a fan of World Hockey Report for a while you've heard from our next guest we'll get to my commuter in a minute it's World Hockey Report presented by Lord Co Auto Parts visit Lord Co's in-store truck centers and select locations the absolute best help coming to you at Lord Co Auto Parts our next guest author of hockey 365 the second edition came out yesterday in canada so you knew we had to get mike on the show again mike what's going on how are you
1: doing great it's uh you know the day after the official launch date so i still have that afterglow but uh but yeah it's, it's great to be back it's great to talk hockey with you
0: now we've said it before but you've got the most interesting account on all of twitter And if people want to follow you, it's just at Mike Camito. That's uh, Camito with two Ms, one T. I've messed it up before, so I'll just give uh, the clarification out there. But you've got the Hockey 365 Series. It's uh, Dundurn Press who helps you put it out at least. Let's talk about that. How much work went into this second edition? Because I know with the first one, you said you had a pretty quick turnaround time. So I want to know how this second one went for you.
1: Yeah. So the first one definitely was a quick turnaround because I had, you know, had to shop the idea to get a contract to write the book. And so I didn't start writing the first one until I actually put pen to paper. So we signed that. And by the time the first draft was due, uh, it was six months for me to research and write the book. So it was a pretty intensive process with the second book, because I had obviously learned, you know, just how intense it was to try to get that first draft of the manuscript together. I kind of gave myself a little bit more time, I started writing the book last summer just kind of on my own without talking to the publisher just to see if I had the appetite to do it all over again. So I got a couple months under my belt where I felt like this is something I really wanted to kind of dive into and finish. And So I got a couple more months uh, than I did the first time. So, you know, all told, it was probably eight months uh, by the time I researched and put every story together for that first draft. Uh, But because I think I gave myself some more time I was able to enjoy the process a little bit more. I think the first time around writing a book for the first time, you don't really know what to expect. You obviously want to make your deadlines. You want to make the publisher happy, but you want to make sure that you're taking enough time and care to, to research and write as as thoroughly as you can. But this time around, I think I was able to kind of take a step back and kind of, you know, enjoy the research process, which is arguably the most fun, uh, but also enjoy the writing, uh, you know, doing it in the summer. Obviously it wasn't something I planned to do in the pandemic, but I think the timing worked out well, given the, you know, all the breaks that we had from, from hockey and and watching sports that it kind of filled up a lot of those voids.
0: Mike, that's, that's an interesting point there. And I want to ask, you know, when people are going to look at this book where they're going to pick it up and read it, what are the biggest differences? What did you change? What did you do differently from the first book into the second one here in the series?
1: So I think one of the biggest changes, and it's not a drastic change, but because the first book, all those stories that were in the first edition are off limits. I obviously had to pick, you know, 365 news stories. And so, um, you know, admittedly, there's some days where you know that something more significant probably happened, but maybe it was covered in the first book. And so what I try to do with this one is I think be a little bit more, uh, you know, do my part to try to dig up some of those more quirky or fun or, you know, off the wall stories that the NHL has plenty of over the years, because I feel like they may not be as significant as far as the historical record is concerned but they're still pretty entertaining and they're pretty engaging. And so I think in this one, you'll see more unusual stories. I think there's, you're still going to get a lot of like the tried and tested, you know, hockey, uh, hockey stories that we've all known throughout the years. But I think there's some interesting ones in there that some of the readers may not be as familiar with. I mean, I think there's a lot in there where a hardcore hockey history nut will, will probably recognize some of those yarns. But I think that was something I tried to do was, was to try to bring some of those stories into the fold um, you know, versus in the first book where I think I took a more, you know, not, not traditional approach, but I think I touched on a lot of the, you know, the, a lot of the stories that I think have been part of like hockey lore over the years. So I think that's, that's a big one as well. I think for me personally, I've been more confident in my writing. Obviously this, the first book was written, you know, over, uh, over three years ago. So I think I've just become a better writer in that time. And I think I've been more confident in my voice. So I've included myself in a few of the stories just because I think that, whatever fan of, uh, whatever team you are, you know, when you think back to hockey history moments, you're usually thinking about like where you were when that happened, who you were with that night, um, what it meant to you personally. And so I've done a little bit of that, not a ton of it, but a little bit of that, because I know that when people are reading the book, they're often doing the same and thinking back to where were they when that happened.
0: Hundred percent, and that's that's the biggest factor of why I'd ever pick up a book is because it's interesting, right? That's what I liked about the book. Yeah. That's when we first connected. I got author Mike Camido yeah. on the line here. It's Cody Jansen with you live from the Pro Rock Broadcast Studios in beautiful Alberta. Follow me on Twitter at Jenner 31 and the show at World Hockey RPT. Ask any questions. Join the conversation. We've got uh, you know we've got. I'm going to throw you on the spot here because it yeah. is September 29th in Canada. I, I want to know, I, and don't spoil the complete book, but give me the backdrop. What am I going to be looking if I'm looking at this day, Mike?
1: Yeah, so today was actually a pretty decent uh, anniversary, I would say, in, in in the terms of the wider, you know, fabric of hockey history. And so uh, September 29, 2016, Canada wins, you know, the World Cup of Hockey, uh, which was obviously a pretty exciting tournament. It was the revival of the World Cup of Hockey. We saw some pretty fun additions with the Team North uh, Team North America, which is obviously you know, some of the most exciting up-and-coming players. Again, unfortunately, that team never made it out of the group stage into the, into the knockout round, because I think it would have been great to see what they could have done in the playoffs, but but it still kind of gave us a pretty good tournament. It came down to you know Canada and the, the assemblage of European players under that Team Europe banner, um, but this is another example of where I've kind of thrown myself in the mix, because my uh our first daughter zoe was born on september 29 2016 and so i remember that she was born early hours of that morning and so by the time the game was being played that night you know my wife and i had probably been up for 24 hours after going through the whole process and I, I i was kind of going around the hallways kind of like just not knowing what i was really doing at the time because i was so sleep deprived and i happened across one of the lounges and like the game was being played and i'm like oh wow this would be a great opportunity you know, for Zoe and I to watch our first hockey game together. And then I realized that like, you're not allowed to leave your room with your baby. Like that's a big no, no Um, babies have to stay in the room. The only time the babies leave the room is if they're with a nurse. And even then uh, that's usually not something that happens in a hospital in today's age. And So I realized quickly that probably not going to get to watch the world cup of hockey with her. Probably best to leave her in her room with her mother. And, you know, maybe I'll catch the game. I'll catch. I thought maybe that the game wouldn't have ended that night and that we would catch the second, uh, the, you know, final game a couple nights later didn't happen. Obviously Canada won that night. Uh, but luckily I avoided, you know, having one of those uh, blue alarms go off because, uh, a baby was missing from the maternity ward.
0: Oh, I'm sure that would have been uh, awesome for you. I guess I should probably throw in a happy birthday then as well to your daughter. No, that's awesome. I, I love those stories. And, and Mike, you're so good at personalizing them too. You you bring a little bit, and it's not like, oh, this book is a me, 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 but you're able to bring your own personal contributions into it. So that that obviously humanizes the issues and, and really brings everything back to life. You got one other story you can share, maybe one of your favorites that you know was uh, putting together for in the book here. I don't want to spoil it all, but you got to have one more good one for me.
1: In the book, I think overall there's probably 365 good ones. I would say, but in terms Fine. of one of the one of the fun ones that I had fun writing was um, you know, and if anyone's followed me on Twitter over the last couple of years, like I, arguably my biggest tweet to date still remains when I tweeted out this photo of Ariana Grande riding a Florida Panthers Zamboni back in 1998, um, and so that that tweet went viral. It's still again the biggest numbers I've ever done. And so when it came time to write this book, I'm like, I've got to find a way to throw that in there. And so uh, if you're to get a copy of this book, there's definitely a a full story about Ariana Grande, you know, getting hit by a hockey puck at a Florida Panthers game. She was the first person to get hit by a puck in the Panthers new arena in Sunrise when they started that season there in 1998. Uh, And funny thing was, it wasn't the first time she'd been hit by a puck a couple of years earlier you know, her and her family were avid Panthers fans and she got hit by a puck in other games. So again, you've got this five-year-old who has been hit by uh, pucks at two separate Panthers games. Um, pretty unusual and then also pretty unusual that she would grow up to become one of the biggest pop stars in the world. Uh, the story was fun for me because it kind of ties back to, to that, that tweet, but also I tried to use as many Ariana Grande song titles in the story. So if you read it and it sounds clunky, it's probably because I was doing some, you know, uh, some English gymnastics trying to fit in the song titles to make it work with the narrative. So it's probably not the best written story, um, but it's, it's a good one there because I think I've done a decent job of trying to incorporate some of those, uh, some of those song titles into the sentences I would have had otherwise.
0: That's hilarious. I had no clue about that. That's wild. That's insane. Okay, Mike, I got one last one for you and we got to talk. Yeah. I'm going to pump up your Twitter again one more time. It's at Mike Camito. Just go follow him on Twitter. You're, you're gonna, you know, be happy I did if you're a hockey fan <laughs> does tweet deck hate you or how do you load up all these tweets because every day there's 97,000 coming from your account and they're all funny <laughs> they all got pictures I mean can, can we share a secret here like what's going on do you have to like book it out like a year in advance or what how much time gets spent on Twitter for you
1: yeah so I uh, you, once upon a time I used to do them live and then I realized quickly that's probably a good way to get fired if I'm on my phone all day at work you know trying to tweet out True daily hockey moment. So I I picked up, you know, scheduling things like TweetDeck tweet deck does a really good job at that. So that's honestly what I do. So probably every, you know, every week or so I spend a good, you know, a few hours just kind of getting things loaded up um, so that it's ready to go. And I think over the years, you know, I'm drawing from the archives of my tweets, trying to pull the best ones that I tweet out that day a year ago, but obviously with everything kind of changing in hockey from season to season, I'm always trying to add new stuff so that it's not just the same tweets every year obviously you have to update the account but but yeah basically i think scheduling them is a lifesaver for me because uh yeah going into meetings uh with clients and and other folks if you had to pause the meeting we could have to send out this tweet about wayne gretzky probably not going to go over too well so uh um you know that way i can go to meetings and do everything else but still you know get those hockey history facts out there into the ether
0: mike you're the best hey one hot take from you who's gonna go further in the playoffs this year the leafs or the oilers
1: Ooh. Well, you know that I'm a Leafs fan, so I'm going to, you know, despite everything that's happened, I'm going to say the least, but I'm prepared to be wrong for sure and also be prepared, prepared to be disappointed and hurt all over again.
0: Oh, Mike! I knew you'd do that to me to finish the show. I knew you'd. I knew you'd have something to say <laughs> you, about that. You set that.
1: yourself up. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Mike, thank you so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Tell everyone where they can go find the book. I know it's on Amazon. That's the easiest way that I've found. But again, uh, you know what stores is it going to be in? Where can people find it across North America?
1: Yeah, no, appreciate it. So it's yeah, Amazon definitely is a go-to. But otherwise, if you're in Canada, you can get it from Chapters or Indigo. And I would also say that if you like to, you know, you know, patron your local independent bookstore, you can go there and you can get it to order. You can get them to order it for you. If they don't have it already, they're happy to pre-order it or not pre-order it, but order it and get it to the store for you. You can also get it from the publisher themselves, Dundurn Press. Um, but basically, wherever you like to get books, you should be able to find a copy of this book, uh, especially as the holidays gear up. It's a good gift uh, for any hockey fan. If I do say so myself.
0: Unreal. Best Christmas present right there. Mike, thank you so much for taking the time again. <laughs>
1: No, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on again.
0: Mike Camito right there, author of Hockey 365. Great book. Go check it out for sure. You're not going to be disappointed. As he said, what an awesome Christmas gift. I'm telling you, if you like little stories and shorter stories here, this is what I'm saying, is that I can't sit down, I'm not going to read Harry Potter, Star Wars, Star Trek, whatever those long books are that are just an absolute nonsense. No, give me short stories, give me interesting stories, and give me something new every day. Hockey 365 does that. Again, you know, Mike's just the best, that's why we have him on the show. I mean, he's an awesome storyteller, there's no chance anyone watching, and if he did, You know, join the conversation, shout us out in the comments. There's no chance you knew Ariana Grande was hit by a hockey puck twice. That's hilarious. Not not like, I mean, not hilarious, obviously, in the sense you don't want people getting hit by a hockey puck. But that's just a wild story that not many people know about. And he's got 364 more of them in his book. Go check it out today. So after the break, we are gonna to get to uh, you know, some more hockey talk, some more up-to-date hockey talk, and I guarantee you we're gonna be talking flyers with Grey Cup champion Zach Medeiros. Gonna be hopping on the show. I've also got a Hyman clip. Maybe I'll play the Hyman clip right now because I thought this was interesting coming out of, you know, a preseason game, one of his first uh chances to play with some of the big guns and McDavid and Pool Yarvey, and here's what he had to say about
2: that yeah i mean it's only been one game so it's kind of a harder question to answer but um you know i, I played against him a lot and obviously uh, his speed and his ability to generate offense whenever he gets the puck when you don't you know, you know it's a one-on-one situation you can kind of beat a guy wide and then all of a sudden it's a two-on-one and and create space for for, for his line mates so um Yeah, it was just it was fun to to play with him tonight and i think as we play more we'll kind of figure out uh each other's tendencies and whatnot but i thought it was a good start and i thought jesse was great and uh you know he was he just hounds the puck so it's great it's fun to play with him too
0: that's what he thinks of his line mates that's a that's a very not bold statement but it's telling when after the game he goes yeah we know what Connor mcdavid can bring but also let's talk about jp for a bit here Let's talk about how good he is. Let's talk about how he's developed and how we're going to click as a line this year. That's what him just being like, yeah, you know, I felt good. You know, Connor McDavid, obviously great. You know, he's got actual care. He's got actual consideration. And he understands how effective this line can be. This is the deepest Oilers forward group we have seen in years. And now with the addition of Zach Hyman. I'm telling you, I'm not going to overreact after one preseason game, but put them on watch. Not saying Olympic team, though. Not going to go that far yet. Hey, we got to take a quick break here when we come back. Yeah, we are going to be joined. Maybe we'll talk some football. We can get some Bears talk in there as well. It'll be Zach Medeiros joining us on World Honk Airports presented by Lord Co Auto Parts. What we do here is go back, 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 back. <laughs> let's go we got one more segment to get to today it's a wednesday and it's world honky report sent by lord co auto parts find a store near you at lordco.com cody jansen with you live from the pro rock broadcast studios in beautiful alberta follow me on twitter at janner 31 underscore and the show at world honky rpt join the conversation anytime you got a comment if you're watching 12 ounce sports facebook twitter youtube if you got a question for our next guest It's Grey Cup champ Zach Bidiero is going to be joining us here. Big Flyers guy, big Eastern Conference guy, and he's hopping on the show right now. Zach, buddy, what is going on?
3: Oh, buddy, I think just long overdue. It's my first appearance on the World Hockey Report, so. It's been a long time coming, but you know what? Finally
0: made it, so I'm happy to be on here. It was forced, but just let me know when you send that uh, e-transfer, okay? (laughs)
3: <laughs> Zach, Starts we got to dive off. in
0: because I know you're a Flyers guy. I know you want to pump the tires. And let's start with the goaltending. What do you think we're going to see from Carter Hart this season? Because I'm still bullish on him. I still think he you know, could be one of the best Canadian goaltenders in a few years here. But he needs a bounce-back season. Do you think it's going to happen pretty instantaneously? Do you think maybe it'll take you know, 20, 30 games? Or do you think it's another off year potentially for him?
3: Yeah, so I'll answer the first part of that that question. So I think last year I was a big gung-ho about with the Flyers, given their play in the bubble and how far they made it. I think a lot of teams had them at the top of the board as a contender, honestly, to, you know, be in the mix to win the cup last year. And we all know how that turned out. So after that season, I think they needed to kind of revamp the roster and make some changes, especially for some core guys who've been there for a while. You obviously saw, the likings of Shane Gossesburg being moved on, uh, Jake Borcheck to, to, you know, say another one there, but, uh, and then, you know, you insert the guy like Ryan Ellis, Cam Atkinson, right? Risk the which can be a wild card. I still think that they gave up a lot to get that guy, but uh, he's a big dude. He adds a bit, you know, he's, he's a bit bullish back there. The question is how, how reliable is he going to be in his back end? Right. So we'll see. So uh, the makeup of the roster, I, I think it's improved. You know, looking at Flyers fan base on on Twitter and any social media, you you think, again, here we go. They're, they're going to be another contender to win the cup. But I'm going to, you know, at best, I might say that they might finish third or fourth in that uh, very tough East division. So and when, that's my take on that.
0: So when you look at this new look defense, where do you think that they have potentially downgraded? What scares you about some of these new additions?
3: Uh, I mean, the lack of chemistry, a little bit, obviously, and that obviously comes with time. So, going into the season, I know there's probably going to be a few groin pains in terms of, you know, just kind of sorting out each each pairing, right? You know, I think right now they're really trying to hammer home Probe Rob with Ellis, which it kind of makes sense. You have a left handed guy and a right handed guy on their respected sides there. But my one that the one I'm most curious about is how is wrist going to fit in with Travis Sandheim? Because I think both those guys, even though Sandheim got a he got a great deal where I think he had a very, you know, he was a dash 22 last season. And, if, you know, by his standard was, a you know, like a, a down year, avoiding our arbitration and still got paid over $5 million a year when I thought maybe he should have got two or three. So it'll be interesting to see how that pairing shakes out. And then what scares me a little bit is there, is there depth you know, Keith Yandel and, and J- 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 Justin Braun, I think it's going to be that third pairing right now. Um, we'll see how that shakes out. Obviously, they they brought Yandel to kind of help out, drive one of their power plays, whether that's the first or second unit. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I, I like their team right now, but if anything scares me, it's the depth on their back end and bringing a guy like Yandel, who's not a shutdown guy by any means. But again, he can drive the power play. Um, but we'll, we'll see how that turns out. Um, oh. In terms of Carter Hurt, go ahead.
0: Oh, I was going to say, now let's go down the highway and talk about Ron Hextall, Brian Burke in Pittsburgh. They seem to be in a little bit of uh, shambles, but considering the rivalry that Pittsburgh and Philly have had, do you think the Flyers are a better team than the Pens right now?
3: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that's a, honestly an anomaly of what happened with with, with the Pens last year and then finishing first in that uh, conference and making it as far as they did. Uh, it's a testament to, to their coaching and their team. Obviously, they have Great leadership, they're, they're well organized, well structured. I just think right now, with the, the pieces they lost, I I, I think they'll, they'll be a fringe team. I, yeah, I, I don't know, honestly. I, I also said this last year too, but who knows? But in my opinion, I, I don't think that they'll make, make the playoffs, even with Sid and Malkin still there. I mean, they're not getting any younger, right? So, I don't think they have enough core pieces around them to really drive the Pens, you know, into the playoffs and to make any noise in the playoffs anyway. I'm
0: going to throw a curveball at you. Do you think Sam Reinhart makes Florida a contender, a serious contender at this point? Uh,
3: I don't know. Florida is such a weird team. They, it seems like they always have a lot of good pieces there. I just, I never take them seriously. They I don't know. They're one of those teams that always, there's always something missing with that roster. And, and last year, I thought they were loaded. You know, you look at the roster and they they bolstered it down the stretch, bringing in a guy like, you know um, Sam Bennett from Calgary, right? And then you bring another guy like Brandon Montour from from the Sabres to kind of bolster up that, that roster going into the postseason. And it just you know, it still wasn't enough. And I, I think that contract that they also offered Bob is starting to really suffer now. Ten million years, I don't know it stabbed my eyes away with that contract, right? But um, you know, and then they end up having to play a guy like Spencer Knight. This you know, nineteen, twenty year old kid, how old he is? <laughs> hey, there, there, there you go, kid. We're gonna throw you in the in the postseason as a as a freshman goaltender. Good luck. So he's uh, yeah, it, it's tough. Honestly, I, I like the makeup of the roster, but for me, Florida the, the Panthers always seem like they're they're missing something on their roster to really make a make make some noise down the stretch in the postseason.
0: It's interesting. They got one of the best coaches as well. I do still think that uh, Q has what it takes to go the distance, but I I do feel they got a couple of holes and also they're, they're in one of the toughest divisions in all of hockey. Now let's move north of the border to Toronto because the Leafs, you would have to say they're in win now mode. I mean, Morgan Riley is going to be expiring and they're coming into this season with the worst goalie tandem they've had in years, in my opinion. Am I fair in saying that with Morazic and Campbell?
3: Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I don't know if they're in, in win-now mode. I mean, some people might think that. What are they the waiting can... for?
0: Matthew's deal is going to be up here in a few years. Riley's going to yeah. get paid somewhere else. They got nothing once they're gone.
3: I think people don't really understand, and you know this from obviously getting a guy like Zach Hyman out west, is that how how important and how much he meant to this Leafs roster. And losing a guy like that on that on that wing they're very thin at that spot and who are you going to insert there? Nick Robertson. Like they don't really have enough depth there. And I think, I think they'll, they'll at least the past few years. have always gone up to a very fine start. I mean, I, I think though they'll, they'll still be in the playoffs. I just don't think they'll go that far. I think eventually on that, on that side of the wing on, on the left wing, especially I think it'll get worn down. They don't unless they make a trade or something happens. I, I, I think that their depth on that, on that side of the ice is really going to take a like a, uh, punishment down the stretch and in terms of the goaltending you're right I, it's, it's kind of a weird mix i i don't understand really why they got rid of anderson i thought for the most part he did fine with the leafs i mean yes he did lend some back breaking goals over some playoffs i get that but at the same time the team in front of him wasn't really pulling up their their weight either up the ice so i with morazek i mean you can kind of answer this better than i can from but what i've seen from him especially from his you know Cup of coffee stay with the Flyers. That he's a very streaky goaltender. I mean, when he's hot, he can be one of the top tier goalies in the league. But again, that's going to wear off. And I've never really seen him play a complete season. That's why he's always part of a goalie by committee team, or they they, they just ride him for twenty games until he until the, the cold streak starts, and then someone else takes over from him. So it's it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, like Jack Campbell will obviously be the guy starting off. But it's going to be interesting how how they how they split their games from whether it's going to be. 60 games for, well, maybe not that many, but like, you know, 50 games for Campbell, then maybe 25-30 for, for Mrazic. I'm not really sure how they're going to kind of sort that out, but it'll be interesting down, down the road.
0: Great math for an 82-game season. But what you're saying about Mrazic is essentially he can <laughs> kick a 66-yarder, but he's going to miss the point after.
3: Pretty much, yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, one more. I got to ask you about the haps. I mean, last year, is that a flash in the pan, or do you think they got any chance to uh, get back to the conference finals or for now?
3: No, no, no. That was definitely flashing the pan, especially without Shea Weber. And um, I haven't really, I on the carry price front, I haven't really seen what, what's been going on there. But uh, I mean, he's obviously not going to be healthy enough to start the year. And what are you going to get from him once he starts the season? I mean, are you going to get playoff carry price, or are you, you going to get regular season carry price? And let's be honest, over the past three or four years during the regular season, he hasn't been all that great, right? So you're almost asking him to kind of once he's healthy enough to come back at whatever point that is during the year to kind of re return to his playoff form, which that's probably not going to happen. So you're, you're kind of resting, you know, you're, you're kind of putting all your chips on, on, on Jake Allen to kind of be electric from, from start to finish here. And I guess it is what it is with, with Caden Primo. I mean, whatever you can get from him or whoever they, they intend to have the as their number two back there between the pipes, but this a lot of the weight can be carried by Jake Allen. I like Jake Allen, but let's, do you think he's the guy like where he's going to play? He's, he, for me, he's a lot like Brian Elliott, you know, he's not going to give you like 60 games. You know, he's, he's gotta be like, he's gotta be a goalie by committee. Like he needs to be part of a tandem and I, like the primo Jake Allen tandem. It doesn't really convince me. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's, they have a question mark with their, with their goaltending right now.
0: That's for who would you rather have Jake Allen or Mike Smith?
3: Uh, I mean, you know, the sports is all the way you've done for me lately. I'm going to say Mike Smith. Speaking
0: of Edmonton, let's uh, let's talk about them. How long until we get a crown them a Stanley Cup champs? A week, a month,
3: a couple? <laughs> Jesus. Well, again, you, you kind of filled me in with their uh, first big preseason win there. And, I mean, we all know that's meaningless in any sport. So, I mean, once the season starts, we'll see what happens. I mean, they're, they're probably going to be one of the favorites to win that uh vision um so i mean they made some moves during the off i saw that did Duncan kidd get sewered into taking the vaccine is that uh is that, is that a thing now i'm not sure if he eventually took that but well,
0: yeah i think he got like the johnson and johnson but it, it's not recognized in canada so i think he had to get a second one and that's why he was in quarantine it's kind of weird so yeah. they put him in quarantine after their second shot but if you don't get vaccinated you don't have to go into quarantine or you can still practice i don't know that's weird i'm not a doctor but uh, yeah, I think these right. are good to go.
3: Right, and again, we also talk about like I just touched on Zach Klein a little earlier. I think that's a very sneaky pickup up by Edmonton. Um, term might be a bit long, but for what he brings to the you know to the team, the leadership, but uh, both ends on the ice, he's very reliable. I, I think that's something Edmonton didn't really have last season, um, especially with guys even like Carmack McDavid. I mean, he's the best player in the world, but even he has tendencies. He's not very reliable in his own end. And I think that inserting in guy like Zach Hyman can kind of clean up some of that mess, especially in those dirty areas right around the boards, you know, on the half wall behind the net. I think you're going to start to notice that more that he's going to clean up a lot of work where he's going to give, if you know, more looks for guys that can't make if they weren't getting them enough already that him and Leo open in the slot. So I think he's, he's, he's going to be great for that. And again, he can play up and down the lineup. He doesn't just have to play in your first, you know, top two lines. He could be our third or fourth line guy and still make a great impact there as well.
0: Okay, so Oilers win the West. That's confirmed by uh, Zach Madero's here. <laughs> so as a Flyers fan, do you even want Johnny Gaudreau at this point? Like, I mean, if Calgary's going to move him at the deadline, if he doesn't have a new contract, do Flyers fans really want him if he's going to be, you know, probably an $8 million-plus player?
3: Mm, no. Like, here's the thing. Johnny Gaudreau is an outstanding player. Would I like him? Yes. Would I, You know, I wouldn't be a fan of what we probably had to give up to get him. Cause I don't think we really need, need a player like that right now, especially when you look at the players in the pipeline for the flyer system. I mean, you, so you, you drafted a guy two years ago and a guy like Tyson Forster, who's projecting, you know, you look at the shots or he had an NHL level, it's just, you know, things without, you know, things he's doing with the puck, right. He's got to, you know, kind of take notes from a guy like, you know, Sean, like Koops or a guy like Scott Lawton, you know, being reliable in your own end. And th- those are things with the development process that he's going to learn over time before he's ready to kind of step up. And you look at a guy like Zaid Wisdom, who had a great year at the AHL level, like 18-year-old. and Again, a very watered-down talent level, again, I get. I understand that with the whole, you know, COVID going on and with, with the AHL last year. But, uh, you know, still 18 years old, the kid made, made a great impact on, on a pro league, right? And then you look at that Samuel Tumala guy that they drafted out of Finland or uh, Sweden. You know, that's another promising winger that they drafted in the second round. I hope pronounce his name right. Probably not. But no, anyway. not at all. First-round talent. Right. But that's what everyone says. got in the second round.
0: What's that? That's what everyone says. Everyone's a first round talent.
3: Uh, Of course. Right. Yeah. Just great. great At the end of the day, I I think when you look at their roster, they don't really need a guy like that right now. And again, I didn't touch on Morgan Frost. So there's another guy, right. Um, They they have a boatload of guys that, you know, hopefully at some point they're ready to step up and make an impact on the roster at some point. Um, But no, yeah, at the end. They no, I don't think they need a guy like Johnny Goudreau on their roster. I think the roster is fine right now. You know, it's the Flyers are the same. You know, same story. You know, different year. It's it's always it always comes down to defense and goaltending. Offense has usually been fine on their own. It just they need their their back end and goaltending to really step up.
0: Okay, we got ninety seconds for you. First 10-second answer here. What's wrong with the Edmonton Elks?
3: Uh, I mean that whole COVID outbreak didn't really help. Um, to be honest I haven't really paid attention to much else football this season it's been more Argos Um, yeah I think uh, Harris also being out of the lineup he's one of the top QBs in the league obviously when you lose your starting quarterback that's never a good sign And uh, yeah all all three units are just not gelling right now I feel like they're they're dealing with a lot of injuries a lot of issues COVID again obviously didn't help Um, they they just got to figure out a way to kind of dig deep here and kind of sort things out because it's only a 14 game season and there's what maybe Nine, eight games left, and they're they're really starting to fall by the wayside.
0: Maybe your Red Blacks are just an absolute wagon. Already, no. final minutes, yours. Talk about the Steelers because Big Ben is done, and that team
3: stinks. Okay, well, listen, me and you know, I kind of went back and forth on this. Ben, like he is, he's older, right? I mean, you look at guys like Tom Brady, you look at Aaron Rodgers; those are guys who are in their late thirties and they're in shape, and they understand what it takes to win. Right? Because they take care of their bodies accordingly. And what really scared me this off season is when Ben came out and said, he's been working with a dietitian, you know, it was the first time in a long time that he's been able to shed shed the weight that he really wanted to. And in my mind, I'm like, really, you've been playing the league for 18 years and your final year, you're you're starting to take this seriously as a pro athlete. Like, isn't that your job? Anyway, didn't really make much sense to me, but I mean, what made Ben great over the years is that, you know, he's, he's a big body. He's six, six He's like 500 pounds and you know he's been able to fight off tacklers throughout the years and his ability to you know extend plays has gone to his 18 year career but with how bad their o-line is right now and ben's ability to not really move around in the pocket you have to have a great o-line which they don't because he doesn't have that ability to move around anymore the arm strength's still there the accuracy can still be there but you're asking him to do way too much at his age with how thin they are at the old line, and it's just—it's going to keep getting worse. At some point, they have to look again and make some real some reps because I do not like what I see on their offense at all.
0: That's your weekly Steelers talk right there, with Zach Medeiros. buddy. Appreciate it. We're going to get you on a bunch more of uh, you know shoot around the Flyers here, but for today, that was a good one. Perfect, Zach Medeiros right there. Let's wrap it up. It's Cody Jans and World Hockey Your report presented by Lord Co Auto Parts, of course. Go check out Sports Travel Tours, Pro rock, Hockey Sticks, and everyone else supports the show DraftKings promo code THPN they the best download the podcast the Hockey Podcast Network until next week everyone be kind